He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. In that little passage, I just want to point out five things that we want to talk about briefly this morning. Paul talks about fanning into flame. That there's some potential there that's not yet realized. But he's talking about fanning into flame and having a spirit of courage, not a spirit that's timid to be standing up and identifying for Christ. Do not be ashamed, he says, but to understand that God has called us and he has a purpose in his calling, and that is to incarnate the gospel, to embody the very purpose of Christ and so that you become like Christ as a disciple, a follower of Christ. And last week I mentioned this big word. Can you remember remember this word last week? The uh, word, uh, can you remember how to pronounce this? How do you say that? Anybody remember that? <laughs> it's a funny word, increasing your vocabulary. How do you say that? Think of, think of the word consider. The word is, sidere is the root, desideratum is the word. And I go back to that just to remind us. It means that there's something that is needed, something that you want. There's a passion involved. This is the core expectation that when you step into a place, a hospital, a business, or whatever it is, that you're moving into a place where you have certain expectations and assumptions that things should take place in that place. And that expectation is the essence, the raison d'etre, the reason of being, why you're here, why I'm here. Uh, the desideratum we talked about in terms of the desires of the Holy Spirit. And so the flesh has its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit sets his desideratum against the flesh. There's something God is passionate about. You know what that is? He has in our these two created to live cry. I live because designs are fierce. And yet, for many people, that fire here in this church, this is a, an old church, 200 years old. Remember that little plate we have out in front? The Century Building, built in 1870. Built, the building was built by parishioners. But the Christians inside are built by the Holy Spirit of Christ. That's a wonderful, wonderful addition that what he does, he does something for us. And we understand that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, did something for us as he built a basis of the house of worship by becoming the very foundation. But Christ suffered once for sins. We know that the righteous Jesus, for the unrighteous us, to bring you, to bring me. to. But notice that passage. So we run, we run boldly to the throne of grace. But notice that passage in Peter. He says, uh, he who was put to death in the body was made alive in the spirit. Jesus himself as a human was made alive as a human being to walk in that fellowship 
as we as a human being are also made alive, being baptized into Christ, being raised up from the dead by the very same spirit that gave Jesus life when he was dead, gives us life as believers. That spirit is operating. You may have heard the story of a minister who went to a congregational member and he was sitting at the fire and uh, the guy hadn't been to church in a while. So the minister didn't say anything, but instead he separated with a little shovel. He took out one of those embers out of that fire and set it on the stone. And as they talked, the hot little ember just got darker and darker and darker. The parishioner got the message. What happens if you don't have someone flaming the fire? What happens if your fire goes out? What happens if you've been in church so long that you no longer have those desires? Well, there's where the Holy Spirit comes back in. And through relationships, one by one, your story, passing on encouragement and hope and love and grace to somebody else, we also fan into flame somebody else's little faith. And that little faith becomes a little stronger. And so I want you to know that that's your role. That's your part. As you, as you walk with Christ, as you talk about Christ, what we do here at CBC is we believe, and, and, and think with me, I think you would agree with me, we believe that true healing, true restoration, occurs when we courageously step into our calling and worship Jesus Christ. When we take that participatory, active uh, step towards the Lord, He seeks us, sees us, and comes running to us to really encourage us that. We, we understand He gives us His love. We learn His forgiveness, and we grow in His freedom. And we flourish when we share life stories of pain and harm and redemption and hope, we have heard good, good, good news. Now it's the time for us to fan into flame and pass along that message. That message from the Bible, I, I mentioned from my little cards, you've got them here. What is the central message of the Bible? You remember this? What's the meaning? What's the value? When you study the Bible, what is it? Well, it's summarized in one word. The whole book is summarized in one word. And that word is Christ. Christ. It's the Christ of eternal glory. John would say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Christ who is in the beginning, this Christ who came... From the very beginning, the word of God that would communicate who he is. This is the wisdom personified of Proverbs 8. This was the wisdom of Christ from before creation in the prior design of creation of eternal glory. It's not only Christ of eternal time, the ages, who is the one who created the very space, created the very time, the ages, as uh, John 1, 3 says, in him all the ages, all the aeons of time were created. And in the last days, though Christ would speak in, throughout those ages in various ways, in the last days he would speak of his son. 
And this son would talk about God, his father. Not only would he talk about God as Father when Christ was on earth, he would talk about God as Father before in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you see God the Father preparing for the Messiah's arrival and preparing his people for the Messiah to be recognized. And so you have this story from the Old Testament and the New Testament that this Messiah, this Christ, is going to deliver you from each. From Egypt, you've got the Exodus, and those metaphors are running deep, that you're to be delivered and restored into a promised land. If you read Isaiah, read Isaiah, read Paul, Romans 5, in Christ we stand, in Christ alone. And so the Gospels, the Gospels are all about Christ and the, if you hear Matthew talk, Matthew talks about Jesus the king, but Matthew talks about this light that this king brings to explain the Jewish past. All this Old Testament had to have a meaning and reason, and it comes together in Christ. Mark talks about this one who brings this present strength, a constant strength. Wherever Christ would go, he was a strong man, always on the move always full of energy, always taking on the worst. Luke would talk about the blended man. Man, sick, crying, tired. He would know about the humanity of Christ and his feelings and his relationships. But Luke would talk about him also being divine and having power from above to touch the human body and heal because Luke was a doctor. John would talk about the fullness of Christ, the grace when we didn't understand, grace for the darkness. This one would come and speak as no one else, and they were stunned that he would explain who God is in truth. Christ of eternal glory, of creation, of revelation, of incarnation, he did not come to bring a gospel to preach the gospel. He came that there would be a gospel, for Christ is the gospel. And therefore, the last thing the Bible talks about is this Christ is coming again. And when he comes again in the clouds of glory, he's going to call your name if you're alive when he comes. And if you pass before he comes, he's going to call your name out of the grave. or call you... To a side as you pass into glory. This Christ. He is our message. And the message I've said to you before is simply, simply said in a simple sentence. You can have new life in Christ. New life in Christ. Now, I changed this a little bit because the focus here, the subject of the sentence is you. But as I changed, I thought, no, it's better said this way. Jesus Christ can give you new life. He's the focus, not me. And therefore, Paul would say, we proclaim him. J.B. Phillips says, so naturally, we, we just talk about the one who's called us into his glory, who's called us into his grace. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone fully mature, That's our desideratum. We want you to be mature. 
in your knowledge of how deep that love, forgiveness, grace goes into your very soul. And therefore, we want to present everyone fully mature in Christ to understand that the final cry when people pass into eternity, right before they do, the final cry is, Lord, forgive me. I don't know how many times I've been in a hospital bed that the real concern is, am I... Have I done enough? Am I good enough? I haven't, I haven't been faithful. I haven't been. Lord, forgive me. But this promise, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's faithful. Over and over again, you'll see in bold love tonight, in chapter 3, when Israel was unfaithful to God, God was never unfaithful to Israel. When Israel rebelled, God blessed. It's just amazing how God does not hate us, but he responds to us not as we deserve, but he responds to us in spite of what we deserve. He gives grace. For grace is receiving that which we don't deserve. And so Paul would say, therefore understand that when you stand up as a Christian and you talk about Christ, you become little Christ in a world, talking about this grace. And he who accepts you accepts the very Christ who sent you to talk to the one who's going to bring people into his grace. John said it this way, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And therefore, you are a vehicle of grace, a torch of grace, that when you go speak to people about Christ and proclaim him, their response, understand that God is at work as you stand up and invite people to the good news. Now, we understand the Statue of Liberty is for Americans, but you understand that the cross is freedom for the whole world. And it's this message that we have of Christ, this message that Christ died for you. For some people, they think that's foolish. That's foolish. And they will end up heading for destruction. But for us, we understand, we've come to understand that call, that passion, that desire of the Spirit who are being saved, we know that this cross has a mystery to it that you go into a tomb and you die and there's a resurrection. And that resurrection is the very power of God. And yet, many people's flames are very small and are out of the fire. And therefore, there are people, there are Christians who are ashamed of the gospel. Whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. Have I come, have I done all of this, and yet you're not willing to stand up for me? Oh, Christian, stand up for Christ. He stood up for you. If you're willing to follow a political party of Joe Biden or Donald Trump, if you're willing to stand up and fight politically, why wouldn't you stand up for one who saved your soul? and identify with him publicly with men. Are you afraid of what people think? Are you locked into fear? Oh, believer, listen. The Spirit of God wants to set you free because he didn't give you a spirit of fear. 
He gave you the spirit of courage. And to understand that the glory of the Father, the angels, when you stand up for Christ, they're all standing with you, watching you. For Christ's love is our calling. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence, courage in the day of judgment. And then notice this little phrase, in the world we are like Jesus. That's NIV. I remember it from the NASB. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. And as Jesus walked in his world, strong, confident, clear-eyed, with wisdom, with purpose, with clarity, he was never going to be influenced by men because his call came directly from the Father. Likewise, for you, as he is, so are we. David said it this way, in your light, we see light. Psalm 36, 9. And therefore, to understand that the last part is that you want to personalize this purpose that God's called you to. You don't want to, you don't want to just be a, an ember out of the fire. You want to be in the fire, alive, aflame. And you've got something to say. You have, you have a hope, to, a good news to mention to people who really don't know Christ. This eternal one, this creative one, this, this one from the, the whole. And therefore, his calling enables you, embodies grace to come alive in you. And therefore, you want to live through the purposes and calling of Christ. You want to incarnate the gospel by just being in relationship to the one who calls you, loves you. You can be a fisher of men. You can be one who's salt and light in the world. And therefore, this passage in Ephesians, as he's talking about spiritual battle and all kinds of beings going on, Jesus said, I called you to be salt and light. You will be a man, a woman of influence if you love well. So be prepared. In Ephesians 6, he says, put on that helmet of salvation. Get your shield. Get the loins girded. And, but the last thing you do, as, you, as I do, is when I get up in the morning, I, 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 I shower and shave and get dressed. But the last thing I do is I put on my shoes and go out the door. Shoes are the last thing, I think. But Paul said that you have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's not that your shoes are the peace, uh, the gospel of peace. It says that you put on your shoes, which are ready. It's a strange word. It's only used right here in this one. And as uh, Paul would say in the New American Standard, having shooed, shod your feet with the preparation. It means you, you are ready to share. You're, you're, you're not just... Your shoelaces aren't untied. You, you don't have a heel missing. You, everything you need is right there, but your feet are ready to share, prepared to share the gospel of peace because you are a peacemaker. You are a way maker. As God brings you into this marvelous relationship, you have a peace that the world can't give. It's an objective peace that God says, you are mine. You are forgiven. It's a subjective peace in the sense that you will feel the peace of God. And in your soul, you will be settled 
you won't be afraid. You will walk through that fire because he's with you. There's something about being a Christian that's wonderful. Therefore, share the gospel. Stand up and identify with Christ. You don't have to worry about defending it. It's not your message. It's Christ's message. And all you have to do is let that lion loose. He'll do the work. He'll do the explanation. He'll do the things inside as you share that good news. And you know the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but would come alive in the spirit, have new life in Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ can give you new life. That's the message that as you go into thanksgiving, that we're grateful people, humble people, that you've been called, you've been loved, you've been prepared to know this God of glory, this God of grace. And therefore, Christians stand up in the crazy world and bring peace. That's the message. That your feet have been prepared, but your whole life embodies the very work in the person of Christ. As we close in our last hymn, remember this, that no matter when you are unfaithful, or when you are confused, when you're not sure about where you're going and what the next step is, God does. God is faithful. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said, and shall he not do it? Yeah, has he not spoken? Won't he fulfill it? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Well, the message for us, for this reason, Paul would say, I remind you to fan into flame. <laughs> Whatever you need to get that fire going. If you come to the church or get into the word in prayer, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Through the laying on of my hands, for the Spirit of God gave us, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us, and He's called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given in Christ. This grace was given to you. Therefore, shod your feet and go give it to somebody else. Let's pray. Jesus, you paid it all. And for us to be silent about that is to ignore the very purpose and grace that is so real and the reason why you came. Thank you that your passion for us is so real. Thank you that the peace is so real, but the, those whose embers are low, I pray, Father, that you would fan into flame the faith of those who are, have little faith and strengthen us, that you would clarify our hope, but that by your Spirit you would empower us to love. For as you are, so are we in the world.
Lord, teach us what it means to live this exchanged life. Teach us what it means to live for glory by the grace and the power of your Spirit. Father, again, we ask that you would build your church, that the nation would come to know that there's one, na- one nation under God, and that we would be humbled enough to repent, and that you would restore us. So, Father, again, thank you for this word. Now, lead us out and give us those opportunities to see you at work in our friends and use our lives for your purposes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.